0: G'day, groovy humans, and welcome to another episode of A Groovy Enlightened Life. Today's groovy guest is Jodie Thornton. Now, Jody and I chatted for a long time, so this episode is a little bit longer than some of the others, and to be honest, we could have chatted, like, for days, really. We both have this passion around helping other people find their purpose and live in alignment to it, and Jody works as a parenting coach, which is just absolutely extraordinary, the work that she does in that space. So Jody helps parents to help their children, their little ones, to explore themselves and to become who they are here to be and to help them find purpose in life and ultimately through that process help the parents find their own purpose as well. I really hope you enjoy this episode today. So sit back, relax, and you're going to need a drink because this goes a long time. Drink of your choice today. Let's get cracking. Today on the show, we have a special guest, Jodie Thornton. Welcome to the show, Jodie. Hi, Maya. <laughs> so how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what service you bring to the world?
1: Yeah, so um, I am a parent coach. I work with uh, parents, predominantly with children under the age of six, and I, I really focus on the emotional development of children in how that shows up in how they create lives that they love. So that is everything from how does that um, relate to, or how does their emotional awareness relate to how they know and are confident in themselves? How does that relate to their ability to have healthy relationships with friends and siblings and their parents? And then what does that mean for them in like once they really know themselves well, what does that mean for them in being able to like actually create, like choose and create the kind of life that they um, would really love? So whether that's, you know, becoming a high-flying executive versus whether it's running your own business or becoming a nurse and entering into the care um, industry, it's really about getting, I think that if we can get as many people as we can following their own path and knowing deeply that they are on their own path, then I think that the world will just sort itself out.
0: <laughs> like,
1: Absolutely. I think there's a lot of work to be done, but I think that that work to challenge all of the issues that we're so aware of at the moment about how the world works, I think quite a lot of those will be very, very simple if we have everybody, um, you know, really in a life that they love.
0: Mm, absolutely so you did you say you were working with people under six children under six was that right
1: yeah, So, I work with the parents I don't do yep. sessions directly with the oh, okay yep um, but um, my clients are typically their children are under six years of age
0: okay right so you're working with the parents to I guess develop the children um, on the right path or get them to express themselves in their own unique way yeah, so
1: normally we'll start out, because because of the way parenting is in our culture, there's a lot of, you should know how to do this, and a lot of, um, you know, we have a lot of parents who will be trying to follow all the books, or trying to follow everything that they're supposed to do, and so often there's like a bit of shame and stigma around getting help with parenting. So what that means is it's very rare for me to get a client saying, everything's going fine, but I just really feel like I want to make sure that they know how to be confident in themselves or something like that. Normally what happens is that people will hit a stage where things are really tough. So that could be sibling issues. It could be um, the child is getting having tantrums and having really out of control emotions, or it could be friendship issues. So like they're, they're struggling at school to have, um, or even at daycare, to be able to Speak up for themselves or vice versa. They're a really intense person and they don't know how to allow space for the other person. So it'll be one of these kinds of issues that will come up that will be the kind of um, the trigger for a parent to say, actually, I feel okay about getting help about this. And then, But if you're the parent who thinks everything's going fine, I definitely want to hear from you too. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we'll start with one of those issues. And when we start looking into that, it really comes down to three core concepts. One is knowing what you need, which your emotions give you information about that. And then also being able to recognize what other people need. And then being able to practice the problem solving, the skillful problem solving to get everybody's needs met at the same time. Mm. And so regardless of whether we're starting out with, you know, it takes seven hours for us to get out the door in the morning or, you know, siblings are having difficulties solving um, arguments without fists or, you know, whatever the issue is, it comes down to those three concepts. And those three concepts still hold true when we start to look at a 17-year-old trying to work out what career path to take or um, a 20-year-old trying to work out how to shift the relationship dynamic with a boyfriend or, you know, like all of those those concepts kind of run um,
0: throughout life. Mm, okay. So you've got parents coming to you because of something going on with the kids. Do you find that it's, it's really um, more self-development for the parent themselves? Like you actually work a fair bit in that space?
1: Yeah, so um, it's... It is something, it's kind of one of those tricky concepts where you kind of say, often yes, but it doesn't have to be. So, and the reason I say that is that sometimes for parents, our focus on ourselves has to be elsewhere. So sometimes we've got our own things that are not due to parenting, not to do with parenting that are going on that need our attention. And other times the stuff that needs to be worked on might feel like it's big and I don't want to go there just yet. And so we can, we can support your child completely without looking at your own stuff if that's where you need to be. But for most people, what they see is that as soon as we start working on the stuff for the kids, they see that life actually gets easier, not harder. And so they're like, well, do you know what? I'll have me some of that too. <laughs> yep,
2: yep. And
1: so it's like gonna kind of naturally, so long as you're not in a space where you've actually got quite a lot going on in yourself and there's just not space to be looking at your own development in this space, um if you're not in that space then what happens is you just naturally start to see the parallels well actually if I see how my child relates to that person that actually mirrors the relationship I have with my sister or Mm -hmm. you know those kinds of things and that kind of just naturally brings up all of our stuff and then we'll do both so we'll talk about what does the child need and then we'll also talk about what does the parent need um and how can I support them through their growth as well the best thing about that, though, is that kids actually learn so much faster than we do
2: mm, yep.
1: because partly it's the neurology thing because um, neurologically kids are, um, their brains are not really as fixed, no, no brains are ever fixed, but the f- kind of the most stagnant you become is from the age of 25 onwards. So the younger the child is, the quicker, they, the easier it is for them to learn. Mm just neurologically and then the second part is that they don't have decades of our cultural crap sitting on top of that neurology
0: either
1: Yep. so our kids will just learn so fast and easy like that they'll it surprises parents all the time how quickly they can learn whereas us parents we kind of need to unpack some of the old stuff before we can move mm-hmm. forward
0: yeah, okay. So what are you seeing out there when it comes to, I guess, parents living their purpose or not living their purpose once they've had children? So
1: it's a variety of a variety of things going on. So I see a lot of parents who once they have, once they've kind of had their last child, they'll start to think about, well, what is it that I'm here for? And it kind of happens when when motherhood comes along in particular a lot of the um a lot of the things that we accumulated that we thought were part of our identity but actually weren't they get taken away quite literally by the lack of time and sleep (laughs) like (laughs) literally just the you know the factor of I am totally in service to this other person and I have to get rid of anything that's not 100% 100% necessary, and sometimes things that are necessary. And then, so when we kind of move through that sleep deprivation stage, you start to think, well, I, you know, I kind of want to pick back up some me, but actually, I don't know if I'm that same person I was before I started having kids. And so that can then start that conversation with them about, well, hang on, what is my actual purpose? What is it that I want to contribute in this world? And and that can often be, um, you know, a blessing and a curse. The timing because it can go from um, a part of like a real strong sense of actually that what I was doing before is not my purpose, and now I have a clearer understanding. But it can also be a really great way to fall into resistance. I can't worry about my purpose until my child has this, and then it becomes that, and then it becomes that, and then it becomes that, and that that kind of falling into resistance really um, falls away once we get clear on the parenting aspect because that deep sense of confidence that I'm doing everything I need to for my child allows more space and security to kind of see the resistance for what it is.
2: Mm,
0: I like that. I, (laughs) I really love like how you just said you've got to accept, you know, that you're a parent, this is what you're doing, this is your priority at the moment. But like you just said in that last statement, is that you know the um, it's I can't remember what you said now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was saying that it's easy
0: to
1: think I just need to support my child through this and then this and then yes. you know like it might be starting school or they've got a behavioural issue or there's something else and oh, I just don't have the time because I'm a mum and then you know, that kind of can be seen for what it is when we have that deep confidence that our parents Confidence,
0: that's what I was chasing. Yeah, so when we have that, you know, we discover that deep confidence that I'm, I'm actually providing for my child and that's okay, you know, mm. and accepting that. And then a, that allows that space, like you said, to be created to then pursue, you know, what it, what, what's it all about for me? Who am I really now? You know, um, because like you said, it could have changed over time
1: absolutely and often does you know like uh, these days and when i say these days i'm talking like the last 18 months or 2 years i kind of see that our purpose doesn't change but how we express that purpose does change yep and so um you know as um when we're in the kind of pre-parenting stage it can be common that we just kind of end up in a a stage of momentum that we just, or inner, is inertia? No, inertia is a stable one. So we're just in a momentum where things are just plugging along and we're just careering forward. And obviously there are many other ways for us to kind of stop and take stock. Um, parenting is just one of those ways, but it's a really common experience to go, well, hang on a second, I was just moving as opposed to being intentional.
0: Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get into what, well, I call it autopilot, You're living life on autopilot. You're just turning up every day, dealing with whatever happens to be there, or it's the same repetitive thing every day and you're not seeking, you know, what it is you really want to be doing.
1: Mm. And sometimes it can be sneaky, like particularly for people like myself who have a perfectionist streak. You can be setting really good goals. Like you can be setting goals, you can be meeting those goals, you can be striving towards things that seem important. But it's not until you have, um, you know, whether it's time or space or some kind of stimulus to make you stop and think whether those goals are actually aligned to what you want to create in the world. So it can be kind of tricky. I mean, sometimes when you're in an unfulfilling momentum, autopilot can feel quite um, numb and, and awful. Whereas when your autopilot setting is continually setting goals and meeting them, it can feel good until you realize this is not the path i want
0: to be on. <laughs> Absolutely i agree with that. I lived that. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> I got I you know for me i got to a stage where it was like i actually my job wasn't that bad. It was just i wasn't enjoying things anymore. Mm. There was something else wrong. And yeah, you're living on this autopilot and you go, "Well, where is the ceiling now?" Like, "I've what do i do next? This is not where i wanted to be, you know?" So let's talk about just a random scenario because we talk a lot about, I guess, living um, to our soul's purpose or finding our soul's purpose and living to our highest potential. Um, that's what we talk about a lot on, on this podcast. So let's just say someone's, you know, they've, they're a parent, they've got some little ones around and they always dreamed of doing something in their life, you know, and, and it sort of got put on hold. Uh, they became a parent. And, you know, they they know they want to be living more in alignment to that or they want to try and find out and discover what that is now for them. What sort of little, I guess, steps could they take um, to move them towards that?
2: Hmm. So
1: I I think when when you reach that stage when you're already a parent, when you start to think, you know what, I've always wanted to do, whether they have an idea or a vague idea of what that might be or even no idea of what that might be, I actually think the first thing um, to look at from a parenting perspective is really understanding what it is your children need from you so as you don't fill your entire life with things that are not necessary. So I talk about things like, so I'll have um, uh, people talk to me about how, you know, I need them to be doing swimming and a sport and a this and a that. And, you know, I have to make sure they've got enough music in their lives and all of these things. When we look at, you know, where's the space for them to even be looking at the emotional side of parenting, let alone, you know, finding their own purpose and moving forward. um, We really want to look at what are the things that your individual child needs at this stage in their development, so that we can everything else can be a nice to have. Mm. And when we know what are those individual things, then we also can look at what um, what are some some strategies we can use that will kill multiple birds with one stone. So we often end up thinking, well, they need to do a sport because they need to learn teamwork and they need to be doing well at maths because, you know, that's a critical skill and underlies so many other subjects. And there's all these different, well, that we look at what is the benefit of the activity Mm. and that, yes, that benefit is important for all people as opposed to what does my child need right now? And so then the first thing when I work with people is we, we actually look at um, what is going on for their child in that moment. And then in the course of addressing that, we develop the skills to be able to look at that ongoing. So you don't need to come back to me every time, you know, your child reaches a new stage, but you need to know how to look at, okay, well, this is what's going on for my child. How do I know what's important for them and get them back? Um, and as I say, because there's a couple of reasons we want to minimise the, the number of things on the to-do list. One is, as we say, finding that space to follow your own purpose. But the second, the second one is a lot of our emotional processing happens when there's space. So if we have no space in our week, there's no space for either you or your child to actually allow whatever's sitting there ready to bubble up. Um, that needs some space to come up. And the third thing is they have got no space, you have no ability to be responsive. But if you recognise that something is needed or not needed anymore, without that space, without the confidence to be able to say, okay, of the things that we're doing, these are the ones that are necessary, it just leaves you feeling like you're not in control. And if you feel like you're not in control, in my experience, that makes it almost impossible to follow your own purpose. (laughs)
2: Mm
1: -hmm. If you feel like you don't have, and, and control is probably a strong word, but at least agency maybe is a better word. Like if you don't feel like you have the ability to create what you want in your life, then following your purpose will just feel too big. I just, I can't create something that big because I can't even create, you know, a week where we don't end up you know um, with most no sports uniforms clean, and <laughs> you know all of that kind of thing and, and it really it's a funny example but it—it it is one of those energetic things where if you are feeling weighed down by the inability to just have a normal routine then you can feel weighed down in your purpose work as well.
0: Mm. And I like how you talked about um you know, working on what is important for both the child and the parent and the reasons behind that, instead of just making an assumption that they should play sport or that they should do a certain task because everybody else is doing it. And you're actually putting some reasoning um, behind it so that it, I I guess in in my mind, it would make sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It would be like a, a plan to follow. If that, mm-hmm. an, an experiment to do, and then see you know from the feedback on how it works out whether it's the right thing to go forward with or not.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's that feedback process that is probably one of the most important things. So, when I mentioned before that that third component is of being able to skillfully problem solve, like a really important part of skillful problem solving is evaluation. Like, we tried this. What is and isn't working about it? Because if we find that swimming lessons are causing all sorts of hassles, the question becomes what role is swimming lessons having in our life right now? And what is the actual reason why it's causing problems? And how could we solve that in a different way? So, for swimming lessons in particular, if the issue is water safety, you can easily teach your kids water safety just by being in the water together. Um, you know, it takes some strategic thought, but you don't have to be a swimming instructor to teach water safety. I definitely recommend looking at some, um, you know, resources to make sure that you know what you're looking to teach. Um, but it, it doesn't need to look like the typical swimming lessons. And then it also we look at well, at what stage of, my, of their lives is this critical. You know, we definitely want it to be early so that they have water safety and, you know, if they're going to friends' parties or all those kind of things. Um, But it's really not something that, you know, has a particular deadline either. So if life is too much right now, we can just put that on the priorities list to have a look at later.
0: Mm, Yeah. And you mentioned, I think, the overwhelm. So I guess, you know, how do you see things like burnout and overwhelm and that frustration that parents are feeling? And I guess how is it limiting them from staying connected to their purpose?
2: I
1: watched a um, YouTube video that has stayed with me forever. And it was David White, the poet. And he was talking about how the antidote to exhaustion is not rest. The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. And that just, it gives me chills even saying it now because it was just this moment of we get exhausted when we're doing the things we don't need to be doing. We get exhausted when we're working a job that drains us because either we're not able to use our skills to their full potential or we're we're using our skills but it's towards an, an end that we're not passionate about. You know, we get exhausted when we are giving to our children in a way that doesn't nourish us. There's this perception of parenting that it is all a one-way thing and definitely there's responsibilities with being a parent that (laughs) require you to be giving. But at the end of the day, I want everybody to be parenting in a way that anything that they're giving to their child is given out of a sense of... um, I benefit from giving this contribution, as opposed to my child needs to take from me what they need, and whatever's left is for me. And I think that that's it's such an important thing when we start to think about the exhaustion and how that gets in the way of our purpose. Is that the the Western culture now? And I always like to qualify for the Western culture because I don't know what's happening in Eastern cultures yep. in this generation, but certainly in the Western culture right now, there's this idea that um you know we 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 give and then um if someone's really important to us we need to make sure that they're happy and so we give and give and give and give and give now that that's basically a formula for a relationship and if we tell our child that if you love somebody you must give everything that you have then that forms their kind of view on relationships that I love them, therefore I have to give them everything that I have. And it's definitely something that I struggled with for many, many years was, you know, this idea that I didn't have enough to give. Once I recognised that it wasn't just about, you know, a lot of people talk about fill your own cup first. I don't agree with that. Um, (laughs) Not because I think you can pour from an empty cup, but I think that the concept of pouring is the problem. Mm. I'm not giving from... A limited set of resources that allows my child to then be filled up. Uh, it, what I want is that all parenting interactions to be something that we both leave with full cups.
2: Mm. Like the
1: regeneration happens within us, not from the gifting. And that we we are as I interact with my kids, when I finish that interaction, I want both of us to feel full, not that I've poured and you know, some magical, you know, like <laughs> hate is when people say, Oh, you just need to have more time for self-care, you need a break. Like, that's great. A, a lot of people can't afford that or don't have the support to do it. And secondly, if I go and fill myself, I, the classic example I give is if you go upstairs and have a big bath and you come, you feel fantastic, you come downstairs and then one of your kids puts a yogurt hand on your beautiful, clean nightie, you're back to square one. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, you can't fill up a cup enough to cope with the concept of I'm giving and just being taken
0: from. Yeah, I love that. I love, I absolutely love. <laughs> Love how you describe that whole entire thing about especially about the giving. We seem to think we have this limited resource mm-hmm. that and then you're pouring it out and all of a sudden you're empty. It just doesn't work that way. if if it's if you've got that alignment and you've got that flow happening, there is no empty, and there you know it's just always there. It's not coming from your own personal energy either, is probably you know some of the things I talk about. So that's fantastic. I love it. (laughs)
1: I'd like to just talk a little bit about gender in that space as well. Mm, Absolutely. I don't don't have a lot of expertise in um, uh, uh, anything outside of male and female gender. So I can't talk about how this works for genderqueer and non-binary people. But from the typical male and female roles, if we think about what we teach girls is about how they should be attuned to what other people need and they should be able to nurture and give no matter what the other person needs, they should be able to tend to that person and sacrifice themselves. We teach boys that they should be the fixers, that they should, if someone has a problem, you should fix it and you need to provide safety and security. So, when we come to adults, if you're a parent, you're a mother or a father, and your concept of relationship falls into this, where's the space for your purpose? Mm. You have to wait until everybody around you has received from you, whether it's the nurturing or the self-sacrifice or the, you know, I have to put your needs first. If you're the man, if you're the father, you need to make sure, we have to make sure that our financial security into the future is taken care of before I can even think about my own goals, Mm. my own contribution in the world. And so that just doesn't leave any room for identifying let alone pursuing your own purpose (laughs) Um, so I think that those are the um, things that it's one of those examples of what you were saying when when we work with children is that does that also mean self-development for the parents it's it's often working with the children that the parents start to think well actually I'm not honoring that in myself And I need to be able to show that you can do it. That's one of the reasons why I talk particularly to women who are um, starting and running their own businesses. You don't need to wait until your child is older. Your business might look different now while you've got kids under five than you will when your kids are grown, but you don't need to wait until they're older to follow your purpose.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree about that, you know, the male and female perspectives and what is still getting taught today Mm -hmm. Um, even though we have probably, I would like to think we have a broader perspective and understanding of of life and things these days, but we still have those very um, gender-specific roles that are still playing out. And, you know, I mean, what sort of advice can you give to people who find themselves in that place? Like, what can they do about that? Like, So I think that the first
1: thing that is a little bit of a mind bend but is kind of the foundational piece is that if we follow our moment to moment needs we will end up in alignment and the reason I say it's a mind bend is because for those of us who have been following whether it's those gender norms Or whether it's just the focus of, I need for my career, I need to follow certain goals, or for my financial security, I need to have a plan, and it's all kind of developed at a logical level rather than an intuitive level. When we have that kind of structure for the world, there's always this concept of you need to deny at least some of your needs, if not all of them, in order to be okay. And it's actually the opposite is true. Now, The trick right now is that we're kind of dismantling that, you know, there's more and more awareness around what it means to, you know, even if you look at the Me Too movement, that's essentially looking at the idea of, do you know what, guys, you've been talking about how, you know, this, um, the treatment of women in the sexual harassment space needs to change. It's been decades, nothing's changing We're not coping with that anymore. We're just going to start dismantling things. And so I think there's more shifts in every area of life I can think of that we start to think, you know what, it's actually not okay for me to sacrifice myself.
2: Mm.
1: And now it's actually dismantling that within ourselves. So I even have it often myself. I notice it with my kids where if they're upset, I'm agitated by the fact that they're upset because, and I'm now at the point where I can... I have a whole different level of understanding of what it means when they're upset, but I still have this deep belief that if they're not okay, I won't be okay. And even though the upset these days, because of what I do, is relatively minor, and I know in context it's fine, and I actually know that my kids, even as young as three, very capable these days about handling their own emotions. They don't actually require me to do everything for them in their emotional space. I still have a physiological response to having to remind myself that we'll all be okay. Just because they're upset doesn't mean that there's a crisis. Mm. So, that recognizing within yourself, what is it that I need? And following that moment to moment. The trick is in the dismantling of, you know, we can't all just quit our corporate jobs that we don't enjoy and, you know, hope to pay the bills next week. It's the, And and that's probably a good thing, really, because it means that we have to allow our bodies that time to adjust and our minds that time to adjust, but recognising that the more we pay attention moment to moment to what I need, the more we'll be in alignment and the more we'll be able to um, counter the gender norms, counter the cultural norms, and really look at what works for everybody rather than whose turn is it to sacrifice.
0: Mm, I love it. I love it. So we've been talking a lot about the parents and their purpose. Now you also help the parents um, get their kids to find their purpose or help them find purpose and meaning. So how does that work? So the, uh, in my view, the strongest thing we
1: can do for um, our kids in finding, per- finding their purpose and connecting with their purpose is to help them to reflect on what they do and don't enjoy and why. Because what we're really looking for is what are the things that light us up and what are the things that drain us just, you know, from an activity perspective. And then also looking at where if, if the reason we don't enjoy it is because of this lack of skill, that's easily solved. If the reason we don't enjoy it is because it's not aligned to our purpose, then that's something we can let go and so then we, the reason I say that that is the most important part is because when we think about that typical example of, well, you need to be good at maths because everybody needs to have a certain level of proficiency at maths, the reality is a child who, whose purpose requires them to develop the skills required for maths will happily develop those skills. A child who, whose purpose does not require any skills in maths, if they just happen to be proficient at it, They'll learn it anyways. If their purpose doesn't align to any requirement for the skill of maths, well, I guess I'm rambling a little bit, but I guess the issue is we think that we need to learn maths in primary school and high school. If you get to 40 and realise you need maths, you can learn it at 40 we don't have to make sure that our kids can do everything and be almost like a cookie-cutter version of the kid who's ready to be in the world. What we can do is just follow what lights them up, and then that will just naturally, they'll develop the skills they need if they follow the activities that light them up.
0: Mm. So I reckon, they, you know, like you're working with um, kids under six, so they're just about to go to school, obviously. So how do you think, you know, that kind, that line of, I guess, you know, you're developing the kids' emotional awareness that they know what they like and they don't like, how do you see that sort of working in the school environment? Because it's so structured um, in the way that people are taught and the way that kids have to go through, through the system. Mm. Sorry,
2: this is a big one. <laughs> um,
1: I have a lot of frustration in a lot of areas of our society that we, we're not doing the things that we know based on the evidence work. So in schooling we know that allowing kids to follow their curiosity and supporting them to learn in a less structured fashion, we know it works better for academic outcomes and well-being outcomes. We've known that for 30 years at least. Um, Even things like rewards, rewards are just not effective in helping someone to create long lasting results of what they want to do. So rewards work very well in the short term, but they don't, they take away from the real benefit of what you're doing. And so there's lots of these kinds of concepts that are happening in our education system that are gradually shifting. There are more and more schools that no longer use punishment. There are more and more schools that no longer um, have, like, you know, kindergartners needing to sit down for six hours a day. But it's happening, in my view, at a snail's pace. And so, and I find that very difficult to swallow, but it's not my purpose. So I'm (laughs) hoping that someone who works with me will take that on as their
0: purpose.
1: In the meantime, um, you know, so ideally I would love to homeschool I would absolutely love to homeschool my issue is that I don't have the skills and I don't want to develop them and I know that that will sound funny to a lot of homeschoolers but it just doesn't come naturally to me in the way that it does to the homeschoolers that I've spoken to and I know that my purpose doesn't require me to do that and I know that I can support my kids while they're in the public school system so that's what they're doing And how I see that is not as a failure of me not being able to create the environment that I want for my kids that's ideal. I actually see that as my kids will need to be able to um, change the world in their unique way. The world they'll be changing is precisely the the same as the school system. The school system is a function of this society and so they need the skills to be able to stay true to themselves, to be able to advocate for change, to be able to understand why people behave the way they do when they're in a structure that's not they're not in control of. So all of those concepts they really need. And so... How I handle that personally is that um, for my older children who are now finished school, I my skills were developing whilst they were in their school careers, but I always advocated for the teachers to understand where my kids were coming from and I Tried to help this is something that my skills are much better now second time second lot of kids around but What I've advocated to try to help them to understand why people behave the way they do so that they can see that It's not really that the teachers are against them But it's that they are participating in a system that they're not actively trying to change And so we need to stand true to ourselves and advocate for what we need second time around my little kids are five and three I now, so an example with my five-year-old, when she had her parent-teacher interviews um, a few weeks back, we talked about what was it that she needed from her teacher and we talked about, you know, the relationship. And, like, my five-year-old's an introvert. She's not a chatter, um, but she was able to just kind of think about what is it she needed. And then, you know, I asked her after we kind of worked through the stuff that I thought was important, I asked her, what do you want? from school what would help you to really enjoy school she said I want a slide in the playground and so I talked her through how to advocate for what she was needing at the school to advocate in a way that would work for the teacher as well and the slide is apparently coming (laughs) well done (laughs) and so that's a small example about Mm. how rather than going oh my school doesn't have this play equipment that I want a five-year-old can ask for that and advocate for change so and it's that um that idea of that our education system is a replica of what needs to change in society so helping them to know how to stay connected to themselves and advocate for change in school is exactly the breeding ground that they need to be able to advocate for change in society
0: I love it I love that story (laughs) that's fantastic I want a slide no worries (laughs) we'll give you one (laughs) that's fantastic So I imagine, you know, like you're sending your kid to school and, you know, there starts to be the competition and perhaps the parent is starting to, you know, go, oh, my kid's not as good as the other kids. There could be some of that kind of thinking coming in. What, how can, I guess, parents settle with that? Because you described before about, you know, maybe your kid isn't a mathematician and it's not their purpose to, to you know, do that particularly well in math, or maybe they learn it later on in life, whatever it might be for that particular moment. So how can parents, I guess, deal with that, um, that those feelings that come up that maybe my kid's not performing or they're not doing as well in school, how can I support them?
1: So the first thing I um, think is important is to really look at to know what your priorities are for each individual child at any one time because if a teacher, um, you know, if a teacher raises a concern with me that is like it's a legitimate concern but it's not one of the priorities. So if I use an example of if a child is having some struggles with self-esteem, whether or not they're able to, you know, make straight A's is not the priority right now. And, and so once, if you know what your priorities are, you're not allowing, it's almost like we've got um, a, like a dashboard of lights flashing of like what what's, is and isn't working. If you let every red flashing light stop you and distract you, you're less likely to make traction in any area. So really recognising, you know, for each child, what are the priorities to make sure that that child has the best chance of thriving, then when you get the report that says, you know, getting a D in maths, your first check is, is this a priority right now? And then this second check, if it is actually, you know what, it is actually a pretty big priority, the second check is looking at what is it that's causing that issue? So we want to look at very first, because even before I look at why is it important to me, I look at what's the issue, because if the issue is easily solved, then why not solve it? You know, like if it's not, if it's not an issue of taking away from the other priorities and it's an easily solved issue, then that um can um you know be resolved and everyone can move forward. Now that's the tricky part because I have been, I went to one of my um older child, I went to their parent teacher evening in high school and asked the question and you know there there was a terrible mark on an assessment and it didn't look like it was going to get any better for the rest of the semester and I was saying okay so I need to explain to my child what my child has no interest in this subject so I need to explain to them what it is about this assessment that is going to give them transferable skills that they can use somewhere else and the teacher said to me well, it's the curriculum, that's what they have to do.
0: <laughs> yep, yep.
1: So that is tricky because it's like you're mm. giving me nothing to work with here, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, that looking at what is the issue can be easy if you ask the right question of the right teacher. You can get given, you know, actually they've missed the algebra so therefore the calculus isn't working. But it also sometimes can be trickier. And so you can also, like looking at, um, there's a lot of different Facebook groups with different purposes around that you can ask either a general question of who's faced this problem. You can also look for who might have expertise that could help. So looking at if a teacher is, um, I can't remember the official term, but like that extra services teacher, so when kids need additional support, if there's any additional support teachers around, can you tell me what would be in the way if we're stuck here? Then someone might be able to give you a bit of a, all they would need is this, right? And so then once you can build that picture and you can see how, if you haven't yet worked out if this is a priority, it's a lot of thinking and doing, you know, so you can run yourself around in circles. So you've got to be sure that this is your priority before you get started. And once they tell you what's in the way, then you can look at, okay, if this is easy, we'll just do it. If it's a difficult thing, the question becomes, what is my objective in getting this changed? Because if the objective is I'm worried that if they're not good at all the subjects, that sometime in the future they might have a consequence of this, we need to work on your ability to trust that your kid will follow their path. Like mm-hmm. they will, I promise you they will get super excited about maths if they choose a science degree. Yep. Like, And that super excited might be I hate it and I'm not going to let it beat me. <laughs> <laughs> or it might be do you know what like and for me now following my path which is owning a business for me something I never thought is that I would be committed to learning how to do sales. Yep. It's not something I ever wanted to do. I did have a sales job, failed at it miserably, and I had no intention of going back to that. and now, because it it is a part of what serves my purpose, I'm committed to learning how to do it in a way that works for me. Your child will be able to do that.
0: Mm. And I think it's also potentially you know allowing space for your child to grow and move and shift and change through that entire period, because you know while you you know that deeper purpose is probably not going to change, their expression could. And, you know, so they could be excellent at mass and then all of a sudden it's not important to them anymore. So, you know, and I think parents perhaps need to, um, like I said, have that open conversation but also, you know, allow the space for the child to choose.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think part of that is when you're clear on what your role is as a parent, because the traditional parent role is that by the time you're 18 slash 21, 22, if you're a parent who's committed to secondary st- um, tertiary study, the traditional role of a parent is I'm going to give you everything that you require on the advent of your adulthood <laughs> to <laughs> succeed and then after that you're good. Like, I've done my job, you're off, right? That's the traditional role and it might not be as directly communicated, but that's the traditional thing. Like, I have almost like a report card for myself. Did I teach them how to manage money? Did I teach them how to be respectful in relationships? Did I make sure that they were good at maths? Did I make sure they had enough marks to be able to follow what they wanted to do? Even to the point where a lot of parents will start to think, you know, have I um, encouraged you to follow the kind of career path that will be successful for you? All of those things kind of become like a a tick box when actually a lot of those things don't have to be done by a particular age. And if we if we know how to be the kind of parent that our child will see the value in the guidance and the value in the space held, then the parenting doesn't stop Mm. ever. Mm -hmm. And it's actually what I call parenting the way I see parenting is actually how I treat everybody around me because parenting for me is not a seniority thing it's not like I'm the developed person and you're the underdeveloped person and I will help you it's what can I contribute that will help you what is it that you need and obviously when they're small you also have to feed them (laughs) yeah (laughs) but from a relationship perspective it's literally what is it that would be of use to you and how can I create the kind of relationship that you will thrive in I have that same approach with my friends with my husband with everybody I know um, so therefore there isn't a deadline and so that 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 in itself creates a lot of space for our kids to be able to choose and then go you know what I don't, this isn't my choice anymore and that's okay
0: Mm, absolutely, and I guess the you know we talked about um, kids going to school and and maybe the report card doesn't you know isn't particularly good or something's come up. But what about those cases where you know report card's perfectly fine, parents think everything's cruising. What could parents be looking for that you know helps them in the development of finding their purpose and and things like that?
1: I mean, in that case where there's no kind of symptoms of trouble when we're looking for a child's purpose we want to look at to what extent are they connected to their own drive versus external appraisal so to what extent are they choosing what they want to do based on you know what feels right to them which involves knowing what's right feels right to them and then also choosing to do it um versus my teacher told me, my friends need me to, my parents told me to, you know, so so we're just having a check to see to what extent do they make choices that are about what's right for them and then look at how can I get what's right for me in the context of other people also getting what they need versus how do I serve everybody around me and then worry about myself when everyone else is fine. And that, um, you know, again, even, even in young years, we see gender roles there with kids, um, you know, very small children. We can see girls looking for, is everybody else okay? Then I can look after myself. And for boys, it's, it can show up more as um, how does everybody else judge me so am I judged to be fast or you know for very small children am I judged to be fast am I judged to be smart um, am I judged to be clever so it's less about and this is very broad general roles not necessarily fitting for every child but it's that um looking for uh praise and um elevation whereas for girls it's is everyone else okay then we want to we want to shift for both of those kids. We want to shift inwards to so a great question I love to ask is so sweetie, how do you know you like swimming? And really just seeing what comes out. Like the the trick is not expecting you know a deep and meaningful answer every time because sometimes you'll get eh, look at those ants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but noticing that even small kids can give really deep answers about you know my heart feels good Mm. or I love it I love the feeling in my fingers when I'm going fast or you know that 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 looking for that uh, knowing in you that they are connected with what's important to them even for small children that can make a huge difference to how well they're attuned to themselves and and will be attuned to their purpose
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing when you just, just described a couple of those examples, you know, the feeling in the fingers or or whatever. Like I kind of think of, you know, the younger uh, kids is that it might be a little bit tough to get those answers from. But if I guess you're listening for the right things, um, you'll pick it up.
1: Yeah. And look, one of the things that I start with parents when, you know, particularly when we're starting with problem solving as opposed to let's kind of build purpose um, awareness Um, is actually just looking for, like, drawing their attention to what's going on for them. Because a lot of parents will say to me, oh, my three-year-old would not know that they're feeling angry beforehand. I'm like, well, they will if they know to think about it. And so a lot of kids actually are aware. They just don't talk about it because they don't have the language. And a lot of kids are not aware just because that's not where their attention is. So helping our kids practice to pay attention to themselves, which can be as simple as when you get angry about your brother taking your toy, where do you feel it in your body, right? And so I notice for myself when I get frustrated, my shoulders come up. And I, it's easier for me to notice the body cue than it is for me to notice the emotional cue, because mm. we've all taught, been taught in this subculture to not pay attention to our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But when I've got the body cue, that tells me, okay, I've got to pay attention to what's going on for me emotionally, because I know that my shoulders are telling me what's going on. So our kids can learn that same thing, and it's much quicker for them to learn to follow the emotional cues, um, so long as they they know that that's um, something that's valuable for them to do with their time literally
0: yeah yeah that's wonderful so thank you for your time today Jodie it's been an amazing chat is there any last words of wisdom that you have for us today
2: Oh, the main one
1: is there's is always a way to achieve the same goal, like a million ways to achieve the same goal. So whether that's a parenting issue, whether it's following your purpose, whether it's your child following their purpose is always a different way. And if anyone tells you that if you don't do something, then your kid's not going to be okay, you can tell them that they do not know what they're talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In a very polite way. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. You can <laughs> smile, nod and walk away. <laughs> I just got this feeling that you were going to swear then for a little minute, but I could be wrong. (laughs) No worries. Thank you again for your time, Jodie. Thanks, Maya. Hello. Can you hear me? Are you still there? If you're listening to this right now, can I just say thank you and I applaud you for getting this far. It was a huge episode. It was an epic episode and there was so much more to explore. and. I truly applaud Jody, and I applaud everybody who's working in the space of helping the next generation, helping the next generation explore who they truly are, to help them find their purpose and to live a life aligned to that. This is an extraordinary work and I absolutely love it. And if you're out there, please get in touch with me because I'd love to hear your stories as well. This is important work, important work helping the future generations to really discover and, and live life to who they truly are and not to what society tells them they need to be or what the school system tells them they need to be. This is a truly epic time that we're living in, and I love this work. I love it. If you are interested in finding out a bit more about Jody, or you want to get in touch with her, head over to sagacityrising.com forward slash A-G-E-L 010. Over there, we've got some show notes and all the links to get you in touch with Jodie to see what she's up to in the world. If you'd like to continue this amazing conversation, head over to tribe.agroovyenlightenlife.com because over there we've got the grooviest community ever. And I'd love to see you there contributing and joining together with other like-minded people in this space. Thank you very much for being here. Stay groovy, my friends. Have the grooviest day ever. Maya out.